Proudly sponsored by stms.studio for all your merch and printing needs. Proud patron of Ian's Chain Charity, helping to save lives together. This is Joe of Twisted Torn and Moisture Podcast, and this month we're focusing on our Let's Do Our Bit to Help, and I'm going to cover homelessness with a twist, all right? So I am in the Macari Centre in Regent Road, Hanley. don't know if any of you are familiar with it. Hopefully not, but if you have, then what a wonderful job they do. Now, the man behind it is Lou Macari, and I'm currently sitting here with him. So it'd be rude not to talk about his football days, you know, going back. That's if he can remember. He's of a fine age now. A bit like a fine malt whiskey. He gets better with time. Right, so anyway, um, you began playing at Celtic then. I did, yeah. I started there. That was my my boyhood team. I supported Celtic. I used to travel to all the games home and away, watch them play. And it was watching Celtic at a time where they, they were hopeless, didn't win anything. So I was one of those supporters that was getting frustrated and angry and, you know, kicked off sometimes on a Saturday at the, at the game, um, like a lot of young lads do. And eventually a man called, who a lot of people won't know of, called Jock Steen, came along and took over the club as, as the manager and created a team that was capable of winning the European Cup, which they did. So first British side to win the European Cup, always like getting that in. And um, things got better and better and better. Um, they won the title, won the Cup. And of course, as a kid sitting on that supporters bus, the one thing I'm never thinking about is that, oh, I'm thinking about one day I'd love to play there. But it's a it's a dream. It's not even a dream. No, it's not even it's not even something you, you dwell on and think about because that long, difficult road from being a youngster to getting into professional football and staying there is mission impossible for, for most people. But I was fortunate at, um, that I progressed at school in terms of the football. I was spotted at school and asked to to go and join Celtic for two nights a week, a Tuesday and Thursday, for two years. They made all this perfectly clear, and they made it perfectly clear I had nothing to do with Celtic Football Club. This was me being put on trial for two years, Tuesday and Thursday, to see if they thought I was good enough one day to be a, you know, a Celtic player. Mm-hmm. Went to all the training sessions, never missed one because... This was a this was a dream come true for me. Yeah. This was I'd watched these players win the European Cup on the telly. They were my heroes, and and now I'm on the ground staff, putting out their shirt, socks, cleaning their boots, uh, giving them footballs, and taking the boots off them, and taking the laundry in. All the work that a young apprentice—that's what you were called at the time—all the work a young apprentice had to do, and then the progression from there for some people. Unfortunately enough, it was for me, was to play in the reserve team at the club, make progress again, and one day play in the first team. And never did I believe or think I would I would play for Celtic. But it happened, and I got in the team, and I became a regular player in the team and played there for six years, played so many games, scored so many goals. And eventually there was an interest from Manchester United in me. Uh, it was the time when there was no mobile phones, no agents, there was no nothing. So, um, and as a kid, I knew nothing. I, I thought, what did Manchester United think about me? Why should they even consider me? Because you're naive to everything in football. You've not got an agent who's filling your head with nonsense and 
and telling you this and telling you that. You've got no support, really. So I eventually joined Manchester United. I stayed there for 11 years, which I look upon as, as a real achievement because four managers came and went during that time. Some will say I was responsible for that, but, but uh, I don't believe I was. And four managers thought I should be in the team every week. Played over 400 games for the club, scored nearly 100 goals, 99 goals. Um, so during my time there, I look back on that as another success for me. It worked. But in football, I've never kidded myself on. You've got to be a bit lucky. You've got to be in the right place at the right time. You've got to have the right people looking after you. And at Celtic and at Manchester United, I had the right people looking after me. So I look back on that career and I played for Scotland. I went to a World Cup and better players than me, people like George Best, who yeah, I'm sure you've heard yeah, of, absolutely. never went to a World Cup. No. It didn't happen for him. So when everything happened for me, I, I sat back one night at home and thought, by God, I've been lucky. Mm-hmm. And what else have I done? And then I realised I've done nothing else, so I better get a move on and do something else before it's too late for me to do anything else. So a local paper that night, and a big headline on the front page, Homelessness in Stoke-on-Trent, it's um, it's not desperate, it's one of the, the best in the country. And I thought, what? I've been up to Hanley today and I've seen so many homeless people. Yeah. I said, and that's during the day, what are they talking about? So I jumped in my car, 8 o'clock at night. Yeah, on a horrible night, wasn't it? On a horrible night, drove up to Hanley and saw people sitting in the doorway of the Royal Bank of Scotland, yeah. across the road in the Australian bar. They were everywhere. And I thought, this is wrong. But I was naive. I'd never I'd never seen homeless people. No. I'd never had to deal with them. I didn't know what a solution was. But I just thought, after thinking about it overnight, I thought, well, I've got friends in the, that I know that are in the council. I'll go and ask them tomorrow for a key to a building that they've locked up, that they've repossessed yeah. or whatever. And I'll open it up. And I was mad enough to think it was yeah. as simple as just bringing them all in <laughs> and saying, here, lads, in you come. We'll get you some food, we'll get you some clothes, and we'll get a roof over your head, and we'll all live happily ever after. <laughs> so I was foolish enough and daft enough to, in my enthusiasm, just to believe that. But of course, once I got the, the, the building, once I got the donation of clothes from the people of Stoke-on-Trent, once we got the food, once we got everything that we needed to operate, and we did operate, um, I thought, right, this is, this is it, this is all right. Seven years later, yep. I'm still there, <laughs> and I've realised it's not that easy. It's not all right. It's if anybody's got a solution, or anybody that's got don't even need a solution, something that can help. Yeah. Um. Please let me know because I'm running out of ideas. Yeah. I mean, Stoke on Trent in a whole. There's two big problems with Stoke on Trent: homelessness and potholes. And the potholes we can't really do much about. You know, they're oh, in the process. <laughs> them but I mean it's very slow to get done but homelessness you know I'm looking around and the pods in this place it's a bit like I mean going back to your old managing days because you managed a lot of teams you know and you've dealt with a yeah you've been at Stoke twice yeah twice twice. yeah and where else were you you went to Huddersfield you were at Birmingham City you were at uh, West Ham Ham, yeah yeah. I mean you've dealt with your fair share of naughty players back in the day (laughs) so these naughty boys here and girls you know it should be easy for me, shouldn't well, it? Well, they should be. They should but be. Not. No, but if there's any man that can do it, Lou Macari can. Well. And I mean, you know, it's a bit like football though, isn't it? You said yourself, if they're good, you promote them. Yeah, we've got another place 
down in, in Stoke. And we made it perfectly clear. It's a lovely place. and We didn't put it all together. It was there and uh, we've paid for it. So if they behave themselves, then they, they get what I would call promotion there because everything is everything is spot on. The rooms are fantastic. There's There's microwaves, there's fridges, they've got showers, they've got baths, they've got cooking utensils, they've got a cooking equipment. Wow. They've got it all in their room. So if they want to have their own little room and their own little life in that room, it's all there for them. Um, we've already met one or two problems already and we're, we've only just started moving some people in there. But I've come to realise that's that's part of the never-ending work that you've got to continue doing. Mm-hmm. There's never going to be a finished day and that's... That's a little bit concerning. Absolutely. I mean, where does it end, you know? So the people of Stoke-on-Trent, if there's anything that they can do, how can they help? What can they do? Can they, do you take donations? Do you take food donations? All donations, we get well looked after. That's why I started. I knew that wouldn't be a problem. I knew the roof over the head and I knew the clothes and I knew the food. None of that would be a problem. Uh, And it hasn't been a problem and will never be a problem. It's getting the people we've got to understand. You talked about me being a football manager. I've lost my temper more with the people in here than than any footballer. And footballers have got lots of deficiencies. Mm. They've got lots of problems. They've got lots of annoying things about them. They don't really realise how well looked after they are. They don't appreciate things. But in here... I just happen to think that the people would appreciate everything, would realise that we're trying to move them on to bigger and better things. But because of the drugs, I'm not blaming the people, because of the drugs, the penny doesn't drop. No, absolutely. They don't act like they're their normal self, though. You can see two sides of them. You see the drug side, and you also see them as human beings as well. And, I mean, you know, they are human beings at the end of the day. So no matter what kind of life they've had, it's about trying to help them. But you've got to say, you know, like you said, they've got to help themselves in a way as well, haven't they? Yeah, and I've, I've, I've lost my temper. I've use bad language more here than ever in the rest of my... That's saying something, isn't it, guys? Because <laughs> you've already experienced I think I, I heard it about 13 times while I was in here. I was trying to count. I thought, here we go, let's see. Let's see if we can get a world record. I mean, you behaved yourself. He was on the phone, yeah. He's been a very good boy while we've been here, though. Don't worry, it's fine. No, I'm not going to kick off while you're here. As soon as you've gone, I will. So I expect sort of a level of, of of cooperation. But then then I realised, wait a minute, they're on monkey, monkey dust. dust. They're on this. Yeah. They're on that. They're off their head. They're, they're stripped off in yeah. our centre here, naked. And they just ran out in the street. Yeah. And and if they've not done that, they're, they're sort of pinning themselves to the wall because they think the snake's on yeah, the floor. Yeah, yeah, And you've, you know... You, yeah, me, I've work? yeah, I've experienced it Does too. No, you work at the hospital. No, no, all right. They do now, though. <laughs> I'll let you tell them; it's fine. <laughs> I work at the hospital, guys. We, yeah. you know, I see a different side to all these two. We yeah. patch them up, and then they come back to Lou. It's fine. Yeah, but you've patched them up. You've yeah. done your best. They come back here, and you say, "Look, what the hospital have done for you today is 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 brilliant." Because there's lots of elderly people out there can't even get near a hospital. Yeah. There's lots of other people are desperate for an operation. Absolutely. They can't get in there. And then then I really lose my head. And I, and I let fire with every expletive you can imagine because I get wound up. 
I said, you've just been in there, you've been patched up, you've come back here and the first thing you've done is stuck something up, either up your nose or whatever you're going to put it. Or into their wound, yeah. Or into their wounds. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And because at the time they've just taken something after seeing you, for example, yeah, yeah. they've just taken something, they don't understand because the drug's in there. And I keep saying to most people in terms of talking about winning and losing and because that's been my life yeah, football yeah. I'm never going to win this battle no. never and it's really difficult for you isn't it it's so difficult for me because I want to I, know. I want to win I don't want to be a, a silly little drug they buy from somebody out there for 10 quid or 5 quid I don't want that to be beating me no. but it does and it always will do and I've started to realise that so believe it or not I'm a little bit calmer than a normally. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'd love to see the old Lou Macari. I'm going to scour the internet now. So, guys, if you've got any videos of old Lou Macari, let's get them spread around. Let's have a look. <laughs> What's well, a fact? Yeah. Um, staff sometimes they can get out of the room quick enough when I've got one uh, a homeless person in with me because I'm I'm ripping into them yeah. and I'm I'm. But you're trying to make them see sense, aren't I'm you? Trying you're trying to. to. Then I, then I make myself see sense I by saying, "Wait a minute, the drugs are in control." That's the father figure in you, though, you know? Everyone's natural instinct is to help people. And I think if you're trying to help them repeatedly, it's really easy to give up on them. So the fact that how many years down the line are we now? Seven. Seven years down the line, you haven't given up on him. Not many man. How many managers do you know that stay with the team for seven years? No, nobody. Exactly. So you've already beaten that. But I have given up on some of them because some of them now I see out in the street because they've kicked off in here, threatened staff, done lots of other naughty, nasty Mm. things. And I see them out there. And I think... How can you have done what you've done and this is the end product? Yeah. They're walking the streets up here. They're not they're not the people that stay with me now, but the branded as some of them are branded as our people. Yeah. Even though they're out there and nobody's looking after them. So how many have you seen that have actually turned their life around? Seven years. Between twelve and fifteen. Okay. That's huge, isn't it? That's and I'll tell you something, they've done it. We've spotted a little something in them, different to others, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Because yeah. if you're up at the hospital, they're coming in regular to you, and you spot somebody who's maybe a little bit different, he's maybe his outlook is slightly different to the rest, and you realise that if you work with them and give them support, yeah. they, they just might do hope, it. Isn't yeah, I've never had anybody in here that I've thought he's a lost cause, and we have actually sent him out into bigger and better things. It's never happened. It's probably never going to happen. Yeah. It starts off with a person himself wanting to do something. And develop as a person. And developing develop the person. Little skills that they haven't developed perhaps in their life. That's all it is. Giving them that little bit of advice. Yeah. This is where you've gone wrong. Now stop that. Let's a bit try of and do this. Guidance and a bit of hope. Guidance. Unfortunately, I don't think there's enough spare time or whatever, whatever, whatever for that guidance to be given to all the homeless people there are. And some don't want to listen. No, absolutely. I get that. So it's 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 frustrating. It's frustrating. It's opened my eyes. Cause like you, I used to go up Hanley and see them yeah. standing there and yeah. uh, foolishly I used to give them some money thinking They'd spend it on food. Yeah, no, that's gone on drugs. Yeah. That's round the corner, drug yeah. dealer waiting for them. Um and I do get really, really frustrated because I know there's lots of good people. Yeah. 
I better say this because I do believe it. There's lots of nasty people. Yes, there is. I agree. Nasty people. I want them as far away from here as possible. We get accused of people in our centre robbing houses along the road. They're not yours. They're not mine. I wouldn't have them in here. I'd be throwing them out the door, kicking them down the steps. No, they wouldn't. Washing your hands off them, yeah. Yeah, I'd be, there's no excuse for that. That's robbery. It's nasty. It's yeah. So we, we pick and choose over a period of time who we think's a possibility of really making it, who we'd like to see making it, yeah. and whoever... A bit like a team sheet, really. It's like a team sheet. And whoever's not going to make it, we still stick with them until they do something really bad. Or decide to leave themselves. Or decide to leave themselves. And that's that's the whole picture. That's mm-hmm. as... And, uh, were you working in the hospital? I think you know that's as, as much as we can do. We do, yeah, absolutely. You know... For us, we patch them up and off they go and we don't know where they go to. So you just hope that they go home and look after themselves, but that's not the same for everybody. No, no. There's nothing else you can do about it. You do your job to the best of your ability. And for you, you know, you give them a lifeline. You take a chance on them, just like you, you you know, you got the chance taken on you. And you've just got to hope that they help themselves. I mean, it's just going to be a never-ending battle, I think. It is, and and we get great support and little things we're supported with. It might seem pretty irrelevant but we get opportunities to take them to watch Stoke and Port Vale and take them to other places to watch football no interest hey you know uh, one of the local teams hasn't got a manager would you be up for it I would never ever consider going back into football management (laughs) I knew you'd say that that's why I threw the question that's why for a number of years now I've never been in football management the game has changed the people in the game have changed I like grafters. I like workers. Yeah. I'm not going to get any grafters or workers. <laughs> I might get some Spanish fella trying to tell me how to manage the football yeah. club or some other nationality <laughs> trying to tell me how to work the foot, run the football club. How much did you get paid back in the day then? As a, as a football manager? No, as a player. Oh, as a player. I started off at Celtic on the ground staff, £12.50. I bet it makes you feel sick, doesn't it, looking at some of the wages not at some really. of them? <laughs> not, really. not really. I'm lying now. He is lying. I can tell. Pinocchio's just shot me in the face. There we go. Um, and then I went to Celtic. I got in the team £50 a week. Let me just explain. When I was getting £50, if you had a job, you'd be getting £10. Yeah. So I was, getting fi- wage, yeah. I was getting five times you were getting. Look at it now. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. But I then moved on to Manchester United. Um, I got £180 a week there. I was there 11 years and I left my wages after 11 years were 400. It's nothing. No, not so compared to today. All the players that I played with during that time uh, and and kept friendly with and others that we played against as well, I really feel for them because I don't know anybody who played in that time of football mm-hmm. that's got money. And no. when I say money... I mean, money they can just splash big, out. Yeah, like these, like today's money. Today's money, it's just ridiculous. So you can be somewhere at the wrong time or the right or the time. Right time yeah. I was at the right football clubs. I was at Stoke when it was great. Really enjoyed it. Couldn't swap that for any money yeah. because that lives long in, in my memory. memory yeah. People talk to me about all the games, especially the ones against Port Vale, yeah. and <laughs> one that the Vale supporters always talk about was in the cup when when Dave Regis. Um, rolled the ball from about eight yards into an empty net and the ball stuck in the mud and didn't go into the empty net. So I keep getting reminded of those things by the Vale supporters. 
And with the Stoke lads, I think overall we remind us, we all remind ourselves of of the great times. Yeah. When I say great times, not always great results, but the great atmosphere, yeah. the great camaraderie we had in the dressing room, which I've tried to instill yeah, in here, in here boys, yeah, and with with the boys and girls, and and try to achieve that. That's all different nowadays as well. It's that's all gone. That team spirit. I didn't. I walked in the dressing room at Stoke, and I just said, "Right, more or less." I said, "Right, lads, come on. We know what we've got to do. Let's go and do it. Let's not piss around." Hmm. Mission done. Mission accomplished. Now they're having team talks for three hours. Yeah. Tactical talks. This yeah. and that. Um. So I really look back, especially my managerial career at Stoke has been great. But most places for me, it was it was good. But that doesn't happen nowadays. You've mentioned it already. Managers, yeah. they're in there for a, a year. Yeah. The players are contacting the owners to say they're not happy with the training. God, if they'd have contacted <laughs> Peter Coates about my training, Peter would have to have sacked me <laughs> because I used to run them into the ground. Yeah. But they accepted it. Yeah. Because they knew who they were playing for, Stoke City. We never let them forget that, and you're playing to do your best for the club, the team, the the area, and your team talks and everything else was simple. I had very few foreign players, nothing against foreign players, but I had very few. So there was never that language problem Absolutely. between you and them, and you got the message through to even the people we had that weren't from weren't from this area or weren't even from Great Britain, and they went out and simply ran around, got a result, and kept most people happy, which is still vital in, in football, still vital in, in this area. Absolutely. I bet your players now think it's brutal looking back on it, actually, but it worked for you, didn't it? It worked for me. And and they do think it was brutal, but they also accept it. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. I, I brought in, I brought in as, as, you know, my staff and that. It was, we, we did all sorts of fun and games, and even though that was brutal. And they used to think that when I came to Stoke, they used to think, because I'm a non-drinker and I don't like drink, you should think every Saturday and Sunday night I was spying on them. <laughs> you used to think I used to waste all my time going to try and find them sitting in a pub drinking. Yeah, that was wrong. No, it wasn't. It was right. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was patrolling round Stoke. You were under the table, weren't you, when they were putting the drink down? <laughs> drilling holes into it, watching it. <laughs> I didn't get that close. I was at the front door and I saw what was on the table. And I just realised that you know they think they're they think they're getting one over on me. And, all right, good luck to them. Here they think they're getting one over me when they're doing something with drugs. And if they're not, you know, if they're not trying to do it in here, they're going to do it outside. Yeah. And uh, they're not drinking in here, they're going to do it outside. So I'm lenient about things like that. And these think that these think that, <laughs> that I'm sitting in here. You were born yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were you born like seventy four years yeah. ago, wasn't it? <laughs> 73. 73. I'm aging him. I'm aging him. Well, listen, Lou, it's been ace to catch up with you. Thank you so much. And if there's anything we can do to help, you know, like you said, if there's anyone out there with any ideas, put them forward. You know, no idea is a bad idea. Let's just all work together on this because I think that's what we have to do. We all have to work as a team, don't we? That's it. That's what it's all about. That's what we try to create here. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you win. Well, thank you so much for, you know, you and the volunteers. I really appreciate it. I know everyone else does. They all good. Oh, there we go then, guys. So they're all paid. And I'm going to say this just to annoy you. They're paid better than you are. That's not hard, though, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Did we get gobbled up?
He would get gobbled off.